the text that calls for our attention on this Palm Sunday is our gospel reading for today from Luke chapter 19, and especially these words. As he was drawing near, the whole multitude of his disciples began to rejoice and praise God with a loud voice for all the mighty works that they had seen, saying, Blessed is the King who comes in the name of the Lord. Peace in heaven and glory in the highest. Grace, mercy, and peace to you from God our Father and from our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. You will find a colt tied on which no one has ever yet sat. Untie it and bring it here. With those words, Jesus arranged for his final ride into Jerusalem. He chose a donkey over a horse, which was already a rather odd choice for a king coming into town to conquer his enemies. But even more interestingly, he didn't only choose a donkey, but he chose a colt of a donkey, which had never been ridden even once. He chose a new colt. Now some who know animals and their natures might question this choice, since even riding a well-trained donkey comfortable with passengers could be a rather interesting ride. But of course Jesus was not worried about all of this, for he made clear that if he needed to, he could take the stones that were alongside of the road and turn them into worshipers. So the possible wild and stubborn nature of a young donkey would be no issue for him. But why a new colt? Why a colt that had never been ridden on before? Well, I'll admit that in our reading, we're not told why. Other scriptures mention that animals that were going to be put to sacred use were often not used for other purposes. And that certainly would fit the bill here, for this new cult indeed was going to be put to a most sacred use, to carry the Lord of life into Jerusalem. But beyond that, this mention that the cult was new, that it had never been written on, gives us a fitting picture of everything that Jesus wishes to communicate to us on Palm Sunday by his actions. Because in everything that Jesus does on Palm Sunday, not to mention the rest of the week, he is making clear to us that he is setting aside old things and doing new ones. While the events of this week that we gather to celebrate are truly the culmination of all human history, and specifically the end of the history that God has been telling about his relationship with his people, those old ways, well, they are completed in new ways. God makes clear time and time again that in sending Jesus, he was doing a new thing. The people gathered on Palm Sunday were doing old things. Old things that had come quite natural to them. They had listened to Jesus speak and they had witnessed his miracles or at the very least had heard the tales that were told about them. This Jesus of Nazareth was surrounded by more signs that he was the long-awaited Messiah than anyone else had ever been. 
And the latest word on the street was that Jesus had raised up his good friend Lazarus out of the tomb after many days in it. And the old way was this, that when it was obvious there was enough power that had been gathered together, well then you used force to secure what you wanted. Oh, I'll not suggest that everyone in the crowds on Palm Sunday was ready to participate in a violent struggle that day against the Romans. But I think it is rather clear that the people gathered there hoped that in some way, Jesus' arrival in Jerusalem would mean the Romans' departure from Jerusalem. They believed that Jesus would set up his reign here on earth that he would rule from Jerusalem, that he would rule like the great ones of old. The actions of the people on Palm Sunday all point to this. They speak about Jesus as a king, the son of David. They wave their palm branches just like they had done years before when the Jewish people by force had taken back the temple. They gathered a crowd to go with Jesus into that holy city where they supposed he would reign. But Jesus, he came in new ways. He came in humility. Jesus did not come to bring earthly war. Though his kingdom would divide people against people, it was never the intent of his coming. No, instead he came to bring peace. He sought to bring peace in the most unusual way. Our last hymn today will put these words on our lips. Ride on, ride on in majesty, in lowly pomp, ride on to die. In one way, it's sort of a spoiler for the rest of what's going to happen this week. But it's important already to consider what happens at the end of the week if we are to truly understand what happens at the beginning. Jesus was doing new things, a new cult, a new way of conquering, a new kingdom that would come about not by the suffering and death of his enemies, but by the suffering and death that he himself would endure. Everything we see in our mind as we think about the events of Palm Sunday delivers to our hearts the sharpest contrast between what humanity wants and expects and what Jesus comes and delivers. It's a contrast between the old ways of thinking that come so naturally to us humans and the way in which Jesus has chosen to come and do new things. You see, they throw their cloaks on the ground in order to make sure that the important king doesn't dirty up his feet along the way. But Jesus, he's preparing to drag those feet through the dust as he carries his own cross. They are proclaiming him to be king, thinking about how good life would soon be. Well, Jesus knows that that title of king will soon hang above his head as a target at which others can aim their mockery. They wave their palm branches with joy. But Jesus knows the sorrow that is soon to ensue for him. 
And you and I, living where we do, we are tempted to chuckle at those who are gathered there on Palm Sunday for their lack of understanding. How could they think that Jesus would rule on earth in Jerusalem as a king? How could they ignore all the scriptures that talked about this servant coming to suffer? How is it that they could be so wrapped up in getting earthly power that they couldn't even remember all of the words that Jesus had spoken about his betrayal and death? But are you and I much different? Have we really come to a point where we don't care about earthly power or comfort? Where we're just ready to pick up a cross and follow Jesus even unto death? Or do we too still wish that Jesus would just exert his force? That he would do it in a way that the world simply could not refuse? Would we like a few signs and wonders to that end? I mean, don't you wish somebody would just get out there, somebody with power, that they would tell everyone to just do what we know is right? Don't you wish that the other community institutions would recognize the ultimate superiority of Christ's church in regard to whatever else they have going on? Don't you think that if things are going to get better, that we're going to have to gather up as many people as we can muster and force change? Or perhaps we simply pick up our cross and we follow. Perhaps we speak the truth with such a humility that it can't be perceived as arrogance by our opponents. Perhaps we ought not to react to our world in ways that speak of power as the kingdoms of the past have perceived it, but instead pray that God's kingdom would come as Christ works in his humble way, as he gathers his people together around his word and his sacraments, and then as he scatters them out into the world to speak the truth with gentleness and to love our neighbors with great generosity. Oh, I know it seems a lot wiser on face value to progress with the power of a warhorse, but our king, he came on a donkey. He came on the colt, the foal of a donkey, on a colt which had never been ridden before, on a new colt. He came in ways that were odd to the world of his day. He came in a way which is odd to us as well. Yes, these ways are odd because the old ways, they come so naturally to you and to me. Speaking the truth to condemn someone and push them out, well, that's so much easier than speaking the truth in love, in hopes of correcting them. Seeking to gather whatever authority we have, and then using it to our ends, well, that's much easier than simply trusting God, that he will use our humble words and our humble ways to bring forth his mighty kingdom. Taking up a throne, that's much easier than carrying a cross. Our collect mentioned that this week, Jesus gives us an example to follow, an example of humility but thanks be to God, Jesus does not come this week only to set us up for what we ought to do. 
thank God, the chief reason that he came is because he knew how often we would rest in old and sinful ways. Instead of living at the newness, in the newness of life that baptism offers to us. Thanks be to God that he came in order that our sins might be forgiven through his humility and his sacrificial death. Thanks be to God that he's given us a place in his kingdom, which he created not by power and force, but by his perfect life, death, and resurrection. He chose a new cult. He did a new thing. And he gives to us new life. And that new life that we are to live out every day, well, it has a whole different shape and form than the old ways of life we are so comfortable with. But that's not bad news. That's good news. So let us go out with trust in God and humility in our hearts. Let us know that God works right in the midst of suffering and pain. And let us pray that the newness of life that he has given to us will be the actual life we simply live each day by his spirit. And then when we fall, when we fail, let us fall back on Jesus. Then we will rejoice again that Christ in his humility will welcome us back. We will rejoice that because of his suffering, he will still let us have a place in his kingdom. We will rejoice that because he did new things, we have new life both now and forever. Blessed is the king who comes. Blessed is the one who comes in the name of the Lord. Blessed is the one who comes even to us. Amen.